Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete, and I'll go by the name of AFR Ratings Pete on Twitter. Joining me on episode 32 as co-host is a man you know on Twitter as JebDT. Welcome to the show, Jeb. Hey, go- hey Pete. How's everyone? You all well over there? Yeah, all good, all good. Uh, three weeks to go until June 11, and footy is ready to rock. Get around it. Thank the Lord. Jeez. It's, uh, yeah, I think everyone's uh, pretty excited to have footy back. Jeb. Had a special delivery on Monday morning. We got the Plus Six podcast capped in, and I'm just about to send a few out. Uh, they look pretty decent. Yeah, no, they do, and I hopefully I get one in the mail too, mate. Special delivery express post for you, Jep. Boom! Look at that. If you would like a chance at scoring a Plus Six podcast cap, just retweet any podcast link that is sent out via Twitter. We'll give a few more away at the midway point of the season. Previously on a Plus 6 podcast, episode 31, Jep and I covered off on the overall top 25 midfielder ownership and trading strategy. On episode 32, we will cover off on the overall top 25 ruck ownership and trading strategy. Going to be a couple of good conversations here, Jep. What are you looking forward to? Yeah, well, look, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see the stats. Obviously, everyone in the top 25 had Grundy giving his huge score. But um, seeing the stats on the infamous R2, which we, or I, lost plenty of sleep um, prior to round one. The Grundy ownership wasn't as high as what I thought, but we'll get on to that after this first player straight off the bat. Two rucks were highly owned in a starting two of the overall top 25 jep in round one. Sam Naismith, 76% owned by the top 25, 17.1% competition owned. Don't forget that's starting R1 or R2. Jep, no surprises here. Those coaches who were brave enough to start Naismith at round one on the ground were certainly rewarded. Yeah, definitely. They got that cash advance and something we both toyed with for a while. Um, whether it lasts or not is another question. Uh, speak for yourself. I was never starting uh, uh, Naismith at R2. Uh, fair enough. That was certainly <laughs> you. The key for Naismith, Jeb, will be his outright solo ruck roll or will John Longmire go back to a two-ruck setup. We discussed this off the podcast at the end last week, and we had a pretty good discussion with Sinclair, etc. If Naismith is solo ruck, the R2 move will absolutely pay off. It will. And I think most teams with the reduced time, let's just get this off the bat first. It's a one-ruck setup for most teams, let's be honest. So um, one main ruckman, so it's Naismith or Callum Sinclair. At, at the Swan. So, you know, Naismith's got some pressure to hold his spot. You know, Callum's not going to just be an easy walkover. So I know Naismith hit out to advantage or a big big perk of, of the Sydney midfield, and, and they struggled last year and the year before with their centre bounce clearances and the like. So, yeah, I think Naismith, it's all looking good for Naismith owners who are starting at R2. Jep, for me, Longmire played a small forward line in round one at the Adelaide Oval. Franklin is due back in round two. Does Longmire bring back two tools, which includes Sinclair? So for my thinking here is that Longmire was forced in round one to go small forward. So therefore, he didn't want to have a loping ruck, especially at the Adelaide Oval in Sinclair. And actually, from what we discussed off podcast last week, for me, Sinclair was underdone in the preseason as what I did witness against that game against the Kangaroos down in Hobart. Your thoughts? Yeah, look, it, coming back on the buddy thing, if you're playing a taller forward line, you, you're not going to play the second ruck. So 
whether McCartan or whoever's pinch hitting Lear or Lear pinch hits in the ruck, I think that's more of a given and more of a, a benefit for Naismith, really. Um, so that's that option or that, that component of, of the argument. Um, and then the second point is, well, running into their midfield and their setups and the, and the way they want to play, I just I can't see Naismith being bumped. I really can't. So... Um, Callum may have been underdone in pre-season, but I th- I'm just going off the 2019 season and their centre-bounce struggles and, and the like and the hit-outs to advantage. And I think, you know, during the off-season, they really thought to go in a different direction and give Naismith a go. And really, for owners, you know, Naismith needs a, a good, solid six-week block of games and, and the job's done from a fantasy point of view, isn't it? So he's in the box at the moment. I think he's going to hold his spot for round two and beyond. Pending injury and a massive drop in form, you know, that would dictate if, if he is moved. But, um, yeah, like I said earlier, it's looking good for Naismith owners. And I will talk about some trade options later, but Naismith's still on my radar, even though I'm a non-owner. Yeah, for me, it's like if Longmire goes to an R2 dual ruck setup from this point onwards, it's almost rewinding back to what, they were last year, and I actually thought they looked really good in round one. The other thing is the 16-minute quarters, which are likely to be kept throughout this season, that sort of goes in the direction of, you know, pretty much most teams, pretty much, just sticking with the one ruck. Your thoughts there? Yeah, agreed. I, I, can't, I can't argue with that. I think that's a given. Um, the reduced times suit suit a run one ruck set up and you want to play a faster um running game um and that's what we really noticed in round one wasn't it it was a lot more free-flowing generally not all games but generally you know most of the games are free-flowing so you really need that extra runner jeff Brody grundy 68 percent owned by the top 25 just 68 percent. i thought that that's nuts isn't it yeah 63.4 percent competition owned again this is starting on the ground at r1 or r2 Grundy was owned at a decent rate, Jeff, again, but that was less than what I thought in the top 25. Yeah, very much so. From his first score of um, 100-odd, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was a, it was a big captain score, 114. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that is a surprise. But obviously, the, the other 32% of the top 25 spent the money elsewhere wisely. Most owners in that top 25 who faded Brody Grundy started with a ruck combination that included Jacobs, Jep. Yeah, and look, obviously the the, the value picks in the ruck um, from a dollar's point of view, and that makes sense. So, yeah, that the difference between um, Grundy and, and, and Jacobs is, you know, just circa 400 grand, dare I quote Tommy Brown. Um, so that was money well spent in other lines. Sam Jacobs, 32% owned by the top 25. Jep, 29.3% competition owned. I thought that was actually quite low. I thought Jacobs would come in at quite high ownership on that top 25. Anyway, if you own Jacobs in round one, you couldn't have asked for a better start. Jep, you're an owner. Yep, I was pretty damn happy with him. Um, Naismith played that Saturday day from memory, and Jacobs was the, that twilight Saturday game straight after, and I thought to myself... Flip. I'm going to be a grumpy boy if, if Jacobs doesn't perform. So Jacobs, look, the way GWS play, and, and they played through him, 
a little bit, you know, 80, I think he did just get to 80 with a bit of a push. Mm-hmm. Um, the game wasn't, you know, they had, GWS had it well in control. So it's, um, it was easy for Jacobs to score, but at the same time, you know, new team, he's, he's learning, getting a feel for it. But at least you could see the midfielders looking for Jacobs um, quite a bit and feeding off him. Yeah, for me, the Darcy Fort uh, matchup was key. Obviously, sort of introduced a high score for Jacobs, which was a great start. Uh, you couldn't have asked for much more. I don't think there are any issues at this stage for Jacobs' owners. Jep, the key here now, Jacobs to Gorn is 286k, and Jacobs to Grundy is 386k. Don't forget, plenty of those top 25 owners who didn't start with Grundy are on a Jacobs combination. That Jacobs to Grundy cost is 386k currently, and Grundy increased his price by 9k at round one, which if you started Jacobs over Grundy, that's something you did want to see at round one. No, it's not, but I think we both agree that the the best ruck set up in the end after round one was Grundy and Naismith. Would you be in agreement with that? I uh, don't mind Grundy and Jacobs at this stage uh, for a combo, but yeah, either either. Um, if you're sitting on both of those, you'd be quite happy. For Jacobs owners, I'd be more confident than what I would be with Naismith owners, only because there's still a lot of money to be made to get anywhere near an upgrade. Yeah, yeah. And we and the captain's option is, is the other thing. Jep, Max Gorn, 4% owned by the top 25, so there's just one coach there. Uh, 14.2% competition owned. Yeah, so, you know, it was 5% above the magical 10% you were looking at. Um, and I know you started both in the end, so, yeah, look, Gorn, Gorn's going to get there, isn't he? So it's... Um, it's, it's, it's a set-and-forget scenario. There is genuine optimism for Gorn owners, Jep, on the outside looking in on highly ranked teams. Oh, for sure. And look, Gorn, his record speaks for itself. Like, there's no there's no crimes picking Gorn at all. I'm, I know he dropped 11 grand or so from memory, um, and I am tracking it. And look, to be fair, having a mid-pricer in Jacobs, one of my first upgrades is going to be Jacobs to Gorn at some point in the season. There's no secret there. It's just a matter of when and picking the timing for it. The other one there is Gorn had a tough matchup in round one against the Eagles and Nat Nui, mostly Nat Nui. He and the Demons will be better off when footy returns for me, Jep. Yeah, agreed. You know, Gorn had that interrupt pre-season and, and Nick Nadanui is a physical, physical opponent. So, um, it's, yeah, like I said earlier, if, if it is Jacobs and Gorn, you'd think Gorn will give Jacobs a bit of a runaround given Gorn's leaner and more experience. Well, not so much more experience, but a better Premier Ruckman. Um, I'd expect Gorn to, to push that uh, three-digit score. Yeah, just his ceiling there can keep him involved uh, with his current price. Jep, the most popular ruck combination in the top 25 after round one was Brody Grundy and Sam Naismith. They were owned by 52% of the top-ranked coaches. Your thoughts there? Yeah, I think that after round one, from the numbers and, and the spend, I think that, that makes sense to me. Um, having the ability to, to spend the extra on other lines was, was a huge advantage, but... 
you know, as much as we think Nate, well, I think Nate Smith is is locked for round two and, and in the short term, there are, there is an element of risk um, having Nate Smith with with Callum Sinker breathing down his neck. Um, but um, yeah, for this, like I said, it's Nate Smith's really got to get through six weeks of uh, of the season and and the job's done for his owners. Yeah, it was a bold move starting with Nate Smith at round one. Uh, the key, obviously, now is if he can sustain scoring. Absolutely, and I, and that's the other element of risk, isn't it? Um, he only had nine possessions in round one, so that's a pretty low turnaround um, as a ruckman. But yeah, he um, he obviously dominated the, the hitouts and the tackles, and and that's what bumped up his score. Yep, the Brody Grundy and Sam Jacobs ruck combination was owned at twelve percent by top twenty-five coaches. Sam Jacobs and Sam Naismith were also owned at the same rate of twelve percent. Your thoughts there? Right. So that that is yeah, that's quite interesting. Um, so three coaches in the top twenty-five effectively mm-hmm. had went went the cheaper route with Jacobs and Naismith. So yeah, interesting there. Obviously, Very interesting numbers. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Especially if uh, the ruck scoring can be a little bit volatile for the next few weeks. Yeah. You're going to certainly see some movement with all these numbers. Um, yeah, and that's that's really... I, I wouldn't mind being in that position totally. I think I'm nervous about not having the captain option with Grundy. But I think, depending on what they did in the other lines and the, the likelihood of, of the young rooks not getting a much of a go this year... Mm. Um, you know, that, that really solves that, helps, aids the problem of limiting the rooks on field, doesn't it? Yep. If Jacobs can hold on to a decent average jip, then the move of paying down from Gorn to Jacobs looks like it's going to pay off. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but long term, you know, we're all striving for the primo two rucks, aren't we? Yep. And just on that, only one team in the top 25 jip started with the Grundy and Gorn combination, just with the one team. Well, there you go. That that means that team really nailed the other primo and, and mid-pricer spots in his other lines, didn't he, because of, of how much he spent. Again, he's that, that, that coach isn't really that far off it either. Mm. Um, he's going to get cash gains and um, generate some salary from other lines. And... Um, you know, he doesn't need to think about his ruck at all. But at the same time, he misses out on a pretty good cash cow in Smith, and a, one of the best mid-prices we'll have this year in Jacobs. The Grundy and Gorn combo for me, Jep, is still the optimal ruck scoring combo. Your thoughts there? Oh, for sure. That's what, you know, we'll all get to in the, at the end. And um, like I said earlier, it's just when we when we make the move. The most popular top 25 ruck combinations were Jep. Grundy and Jacobs, this is their scores, 194 points. Grundy and Naismith, 192 points. Grundy and Gorn, 187 points. Okay, now we get some pay down scenarios. Jacobs and Naismith, 158 points. Yep. Goldstein and Naismith at 155 points. So it's a, it's a 40 point, round number 40 point downfall for four, 400 odd thousand, if not more. Mm. Um, yeah, you'd be, you'd be wanting, I think we'd both, both of us would take 40%, or 40 point reduction, but still have 
four to five hundred grand in the bank quite easily. I would anyway. Yeah, it's just the, the, the key there standing out there for me is Grundy and Gorn. Obviously, I have uh, self-interest here. Only both Grundy and Gorn, 187 points. Obviously, there's a, uh, there's a far bigger spend than what you did on the Grundy and Jacobs, and they both scored around the same amount. Uh, but there's still, for me, plenty of upside with Gorn and his ceiling games, Jep. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's, it's timing. You know, we're, we're going to have a different conversation if, if Gorn goes... You know, three figures in round two, as as does Grundy, um, and then you know Naismith or Jacobs stinks it up. So it's um, it's early days, but I like I think the biggest thing I'm harping on is cash generation, and I think having Naismith or Jacobs is um, is of a benefit. Maybe not in the short term, but you know down the track when. Um, let's say Sam Draper comes on the scene in, in a month's time or, you know, mid-July, which is pretty likely. Um, he's going to be a cheap cash cow that we can all look to um, <clears throat> cash in on or, or via, you know, whether it's it's downgrading or upgrading to the second primo. Um, I think we're going to have some pretty good options in our rucks for cash generation this year. And no offence, mate, I... Um, Having Gorn and Grundy there already, and I know you've got Naismith on your bench, and that that's your your saviour. Um, I'd I'd want the options with cash generation, given the problems I have anyway in other lines. Jeb, the top twenty five ruck bench players. I thought I would have a look at those, considering we've only got two on the starting ground. It was key to me to have a look at it to see if there was any coverage at round one. So the ownership figures went. This is R3 on the bench. Tristan Zeri, 60%, owned by the top 25. Darcy Cameron, 32%. Bailey Williams, 8%. All three of those players didn't play in round one. 92% of teams in the top 25 had zero bench cover at round one, Jep. Yeah, that's going by previous seasons. Um I don't think there's any shocks shocks there. Um, you didn't mention my bench cover yet, which is interesting. Yeah, no, um, no, so no no bench cover and no cash generation in a year that is looks like it's going to be an issue for cash generation. True, but I think some coaches would have had that um, the the loophole captain in the in the back of their minds as well. Mm-hmm. Sam Naismith was selected as a ruck bench by just one coach in the top twenty five. Obviously, with starting ownership, this number was always going to be low. Yeah, and it, traditionally it is like the start of each season. And, and, you know, I, for one, have, have started number one rucks for two different teams in my side. I think that's a pretty low-risk scenario. Maybe not now that we've had quite an extended break between rounds one and two um, by the time we get going again. But, um, look, there's no surprises there. For me, um it's about spending as little as possible on your bench. Again, I'll go to cash generation, Jet. In a year that's going to be a bit of a struggle there, I think Sam Naismith is going to be one of the highest earners, and I think he was a no-brainer round one, pre-round one, and I still think he's a no-brainer now. Anyway, 16% of overall team started Naismith on the bench. He was the fifth highest earner in round one, Jeb, at 30k added to his salary. And again, just one coach in the top 25 owns him. Therefore, the other 24 coaches 
may possibly miss out on what could be one of the highest earners this season. I'm strong in this, Jeb, but you seem to think otherwise. Yeah, no, I, look, I'm jealous I don't have him at R3, don't get me wrong. I just, um, I look at it collectively. You know, I look at it as much as um, I missed out on 30 grand of Nay Smith. Um, you know, I earned, there was a, you offset that against a Sam Jacobs and what he earned for, for round one. Um, so you've got you to look at it collectively. Like I said, I wish I had Naismith, and one of the trade options I actually am toying with is Jacobs to Naismith for this round just to generate some cash, and we've got that bonus third trade. It's, I'm not saying I'm going to do it, but it, it's an option. Um, so, yeah, it's, um, it's about limiting your rooks on the field uh, for me, and um, to do that, I, I spent very little on my R3 spot. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. The average salary spend on starting rucks in round one by the top 25 was $1.14 million. The number one ranked team spent 940 k on Sam Smith and Todd Goldstein. The highest spend was $1.73 million, Grundy and Gorn, by the number eight ranked team. So that team, that owner with Grundy and Gorn, he's currently ranked number eight. The lowest spend was 755k. Can you believe it? That's a million less than me. With, with Naismith and Nat Nui by the number 22 ranked team. Your thoughts there, Jip? Yeah, it's a good broad range, isn't it? Um, and it doesn't mean that it's won or lost at the ruck spot, really. Um, there's a good range of, of players and, and options we, with, that you just announced. So um, it's obviously what players and coaches have done in other spots um, to to bolster, really, with the primos in other lines instead of the rucks. So, yeah, it's it's good that we've got some variety, mate. Um, I love it when we have variety in fantasy and, and different options, and, and it's proven there. Again, this is only one week, so the sample size is very small. I suspect over uh, even a 17-game home-and-away season, I suspect the higher scoring rucks are going to put quite a dif- distance between uh, the lower scoring rucks, which, which is obviously quite obvious, but I just think that the higher talent is going to just separate themselves. And for me, hopefully with Gorn and Grundy, it's going to be very quickly. Yeah, yeah. And look, you, you are in the box seat, let's, let's be honest. Um, but I know you've got other issues in other lines that you need to resolve too. So no doubt... You, even yourself, might be toying um, with the idea of trading Gorn no. um, prior to round two. <laughs> You're coming off pretty quickly there. No. Um, it hasn't even crossed your mind. Come well, on, it's got to cross your mind. Well, the issue is, I just told you, one, one coach in the top 25 owns Gorn. So, therefore, I want to find a path of least resistance. So, if it's one coach in the top 25, you've got to imagine in the top, you know, 100, 500,000, it's going to be pretty minimal. So if I'm going to make my way through a pretty crowded leaderboard early in the season, it's going to be uh, with a player like Max Gornjip. Yeah, okay. You, you got a point there. I won't argue that one. So the answer's no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's take a look at the number one ranked team with a ruck combo of Sam Naismith and Todd Goldstein at 940k Jip. The bench was Tristan Jerry, the only coach in the top 25 to start with the Naismith and Goldstein combo. The key concern here, Jeb, is 
Goldstein to Grundy currently costs 256k for an upgrade, and Naismith to Gorn costs 501k. Goldstein to Gorn even costs 156k currently. The scoring differential in the short term will be crucial here, Jet. Yeah, and and that's where you know the owners of Naismith and and Jacobs really they wanted that early that early game, don't they, to to, to close that gap. So um, it's it's a gap that could be, um, especially with the volatile scoring, that could that could be made up. What do you reckon? I, like I think I really think there are a lot of advantages with with the cheaper Naismith or Jacobs. But at the same time, like I just can't get past the Grundy captain option. Yeah, for me, always Grundy, and always he provides a option as a loophole opportunity, and hopefully that's in round two. But I still think for me it was always starting with Grundy. Others didn't, and they got that early payoff. I suspect over the longer part of the season, into even seventeen games, that those with Grundy, especially, are going to get the payoff. Anyway, so let's have a look at the number one ranked team after round one. And this is with a combination of Sam Naismith and Todd Goldstein and what opportunities it presented to start on the field, elite players and scoring opportunities. In defence, Jep, we had Dan Houston, Sam Doherty and Jeremy Howe. Obviously got the payoff with Howe in round one. In the second line of that defence, it was John Noble, Dylan Robertson and Jared Brander coming off the bench as an emergency. So right there, that was a pretty, obviously besides Robert and his low score, uh, that was a pretty optimal back line to kick off the year. Yep, and one starting rook with Brander in the end. So let's note that and get, move on. Into the midfield, uh, we've seen six mid to high price players. So obviously spending down at Ruck into Goldstein and Naismith. Uh, the opportunity there to start with Lockie Neal, Jack Viney as well. So obviously two of the highest scoring midfielders in round one. Sean Higgins, which is a, a bit off the charts there. Taylor Adams, you know, low owned there. So obviously with no true or early, obviously we didn't know we were going to be suspended after round one. So I can see how Adams was a, uh, a picked at round one and with low ownership there. And didn't get the payoff, obviously, you know, round two's yet to be played, so Trelaw comes back in, but I think Adams there was a solid choice. Seb Ross, I didn't really like so much this season with so many players coming into the Saints midfield. I just thought there was an opportunity that that scoring is going to be volatile, and that's the way it played out for round one for Seb Ross. But anyway, that was another, you know, mid-price that was in there that, that, that could have smashed, and Tom, Tom Mitchell was the obvious one for most teams. And then it meant that we're pretty much only two starting underpriced players at uh, Matthew Rail and Marley and Pickett. Jep. Yep. So and then he had Jack Viney also at M six. So two starting rooks in that line with Brander, the only starting rook in defence. So he's got three starting rooks on field. Mm. And you could get a little bit wild in this forward line from what we can see here. It's uh, Lockie Whitfield spending up. Chad Wingard was a solid choice. 
Obviously, a lot of teams considered Wingard, but to pull the trigger on that, spending down at Goldstein and Naismith in the ruck uh, obviously presented that opportunity. We were higher on Christian Petrarca, but we both didn't do it, Jep. Uh, I think that's going to be a solid choice moving forward. Sam Powell Pepper, a little bit wild there. But anyway, that's that's F4, and you can still still spending up at a mid-pricer there. And that's what we're getting at, is that you spend down in a couple of positions, you can actually afford yourself a couple of mid-pricers. And Sam Powell Pepper at F4, especially when the forward line's quite volatile, Jep. Andrew Brasher there was a fail for most, but I still think he can come back with some decent scores. And the only rookie on the ground in the forward line was Curtis Taylor. Your thoughts there? Yeah, he's done really well in that aspect. Um, And now those mid-prices as well, I think, looking at his team. So, yeah, I've harped on it today and and previously about limiting your starting rooks on field. And um, he's definitely done it here. And then nailed, nailed some other picks. It's just a lot of work to get to Gorn and Grundy both there, isn't it? It is, but look, Goldie, Goldie for me, is a short-term hold. It's probably, well, is a unique pick, but you could do that in one trade, and he, he might even do it this round, you know, Goldie up to with the third, tra- the extra trade this round two. You never know what he's thinking. Um, I think that's... He's probably thought about it, but you're right. It is a far. It, you got to play the patience game, don't you, to get up to those primos? Yeah, and, and there's a obviously with three trades heading into round two at least. Uh, there are a couple of options there that can be moved down from players into putting some cash in the bank to spend up somewhere else. So there's an opportunity to play. Uh, play around with this team and to get an even better score in round two. Your final thoughts on this team, Jep? Yeah, I agree with that last comment. I reckon he's he's he can have a couple of tr- movements and, and changes here. Robinson's probably one. Um, interesting what we all do with Brayshaw, Higgins. I'm not sure around that pick, but you know, um, there's Pal, definitely Pal Pepper, the one that I'll be looking at to move do something. So yeah, probably down to like a um, Bewley or maybe even a Shorts, yeah. and then that can pop some cash in the bank, and then you can start to move up to. You know, you can you can pretty much get close to Goldstein with one, one other one other move there. Uh, obviously, Hayden Young. Most people looking at Hayden Young and what happens there with Robert and Down. Um, Toby Watson, I don't mind on the bench. There's an option there. They come in at some stage. Some cash generation yeah, there. Sure. You know, McInerney, Bruderick. You got Green there that can generate some cash. Cavaro and King in the forward line. Not much there. So I don't think there's much cash generation at elite level, but again, I think cash generation is going to be across the board quite difficult this year, so there's an opportunity there to move some players around, and you know what, you can move um, Sean Higgins down to, to, you know, even Andrew McGrail, like I started with in, in round one, and then you, you can pop in, a you know, an upgrade somewhere else, so there's definitely opportunity here for the number one ranked team, Jeff. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think he's got... He'd be pretty... Pretty chum, and he'd be pretty chum for a long time given the extended break. So, lots of time to think about it. Just, just on that, it's like you've got three trades into round two, so that's just a massive opportunity. It's nothing, you know. Obviously, we, when we headed into round one, we didn't. What I thought was going to happen, you know, obviously with the issues with COVID nineteen, I thought we were going to get get a condensed, you know, first four or five weeks of the season, and therefore. That's the way I was looking at it. And it's not until we played round one and we got to the Sunday in round one and all of a sudden, hang on, we're stopping for like eight, eight to 12 weeks. And then that, that was an issue. But then to get the opportunity to have three trades into round 
two, nobody thought of that really heading into round one. No, and that's where it's really going to suit a unique time team like the guy ranked one. Um, he can really make two big-ish moves or two notable moves yeah. um, with very little um, sacrifice. So, yeah, he's laughing. Do you know what I would sort of think of doing here? It'd be a little bit crazy, obviously, after his big score in round one, but most people are going to head to Jack Viney at round two. So if you really want to make yourself unique, is, is to make that move and go down. I know there's obviously some cash still to be made on Viney, but even if it's like not even next week, it's you know it's at round three. Make that make that move, you know, make that seventy, eighty k, whatever it's going to be, off Viney, and then get the hell out of there, and then go and put the money on something else. So that, that's the top. If I was sitting at number one with this team right here, that's the type of move I would make to make, you know, to get off that ownership. But obviously, you know. You know, people have candle thoughts of that as well. Yeah, that's a pretty big move. And look, personally, I would have, I would fix the Dylan Robinson issue um, prior, as well as the um, you know we don't know what's going on with Brayshaw and Pal Pepper you mentioned before. So, but I get I get the theory in the madness that's mm-hmm. in your madness anyway. But um, yeah, we're, here's me looking to to actually pick up Viney. <laughs> so we're poles apart, mate. Yeah, for sure. We, we're thinking differently. Yeah, for sure. Jep, you spent $1.42 million at round one on Grundy and Jacobs. They combined for 194 points. I spent $1.73 million on Grundy and Gorn. They combined for 187 points. So I spent an extra 300 k to you, Jep, and you scored me by seven points. That's the way it goes sometimes. It does. Um, but at the same time, you picked me in other lines, mate. So um, you can't win them all. And um, it's like we said, it's only one round of data, isn't it? So... Lots to happen yet. Yeah, for me, I'm just hoping that when that fixture comes out for round two, that Gorner's got a juicy matchup because <laughs> yeah. I need that to pay off very quickly. Otherwise, people are going to be able to upgrade. So, Jeb, I hope that's a short-term variance uh, with my low score there just under yours and separation quickly evolves with Gorn over Jacobs. It's definitely a key to my season. Your thoughts there? Yeah, where conversely, I'm looking to, you know, product, sort of pre-planning around four or five move from Jacobs up to Gaunt. So right. it's, it's yeah, we're in, we're in a different set of, we're a different boat, really. Um, if Jacobs can hold in there, that that's, I, I think you have won that battle with regards to, you know, who, yeah. des- who you decided um, before round one. Because I was strong on Gaunt, pretty much the low ownership, so I'll be on Gaunt. Yeah. I, had, I, I was going pretty much Rolly O'Brien if that wasn't the case, which ended up being a little bit of a fail in round one. But I might have actually even gone down to Jacobs as well. But uh, for me, I need Jacobs just to score a little bit lower and I need Gorn to have a couple of juicy matchups so he can hit his high ceiling games in rounds two, three and four. Jeb, our common starting ruck was Brody Grundy at round one. Unless injury strikes, there's no moving away from the consistent high scoring? Absolutely not, mate. Um, that's one thing I did right, and I made him captain, so Jesus, thank God I did something right, eh? Jep, your unique ruck players to me are Jacobs and Draper. Just on Draper, the latest update today, he's a month away from contact training, so there's potential there for some back-ended games in this season at least. Uh, your thoughts going forward with Jacobs at this point? I know you said you might want to upgrade into Gorn, but what are your clear thoughts on Jacobs as we speak right now? 
Yes, it's it's just hoping Jacobs really maximises his scores on field and, and maximises his earnings because if Jacobs has another, you know, semi poor performance in round two, you know, he's he's going to drop further. And I think um, with with that um, that loss of money from from Gorn's in, I'd, I'd look to make the upgrade pretty damn quickly. Um, I think I feel like. As a ruck spot, you, you know, if Jacobs punches out a 35, for, for example, then then the whole theory goes out out the window. So um, it's pretty probably a high risk um, having a mid-price ruck at some point. So I'd be look, it'd be one of my first upgrades for sure, especially with Gorn doing so poorly. Jeb, my unique two rucks to you are Gorn and Naismith on the bench. I will look to cash in my money on Naismith at some stage, hopefully the quicker, so we'll pretty much make a quick move there. And for me, the interim bench cover is quite excellent. Obviously, if there are any late withdrawals at the ruck position, either Jacobs, uh, even Naismith, you know, for me, and uh, maybe one or two others, that could be quite a good hit in ranking for me, especially because I've got max bench cover and obviously the two optimal rucks there. Yeah, yeah. I, again, I, 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 not wouldn't be too worried if I was you. Um, having the setup you do, you've got the cash generation there. You've got the set and forget um, as well, and um, yeah, there are benefits to that, aren't there? Jep, the top twenty-five ruck ownership and trading strategy article is available now on aforratings.com.au under fantasy. Next week, Jeb, you and I will break down the final position, which is the forward position. The ownership numbers will be interesting to look at there. Yeah, very much so. I think it's probably the, one of the um, one of the biggest lines where you could have gone a whole whole variety of options. So, yeah, those percentages are going to be up and around the place, aren't they? For sure. Jeb, that's it for episode thirty-two. Thanks for tuning in, everyone.